Welcome to the Kinkin premiere of IWTV Guide, your guide to what's on independentwrestling.tv. We're trying to look again, everybody, after last week's fiasco. I'm Jay Hawk. You know Jay Gold. What's up? Season one, part, uh, season six, part one, episode two, A. Let's do it. And you know, Marky. Release the Porter cut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's not put home office through all that. It's all his fault, and I'm just going to say if he would have been less sloppy with editing the show, we would have had a, a show on tonight, so I'm just going to put it all in his lap. Uh, well, I, it was the recording itself and nothing that Home Office did. Uh, I, I, I won't take the blame. I don't know what the hell happened, but... Well, whatever, bootlicker. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, we could not get Porter O'Shea back on the show this week due to a sketching conflict, but... They stay in the wrestling business. If you can't get your original guest, if you have to have a cup to two, try to do better. And I think we got a little bit of an upgrade here. We've actually got one of the owners of Paradigm Pro Wrestling, Gary Wolfkin, with us. Gary, going on. Hey, thanks, Jayhawk. Um, and I'm no better than Porter. Um, <laughs> well, you're a little higher up on the totem pole, though. Referee to owner. Yeah. You know, I, I, we, I, I, I've got to call that an upgrade. Gary Porter, I love you. <laughs> and as and as Gary knows, the card is going to change. So we had something come up. We had to make a decision on the fly, and Gary graciously joined us. So the card has changed, and the uh, we're ready to go. Podcast. Love talking about myself. Love talking about Paradigm. So thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, so a long show. We don't want to waste too much time getting into it, but there's a lot of shit that happened this week. Uh, I guess unless somebody really wants to talk about it, we should save the trans the uh, transcript stuff for. Pod Van Dam, you know mm-hmm. that's going to be like the focus of the show. Yeah, I think we should. I, I don't think we we don't dive into that stuff. So I think we will we will uh, uh, defer to old old Ed, Pat, and uh, Jonah on that one. I said I said my piece on Twitter, so you can just look at that up there. Yep. I am going to say, Gary, thank you for being closer to me right now than Sasha Bank was. Anybody she was poking for pictures with a E2E2, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, my God. That was that made me the happiest I think I've been looking at, at wrestling Twitter in a very long time. That poor dude, he, must, he stood in another room while they were next to him. <laughs> That's the longest curtain Photoshop I've ever seen. Well, to be fair, have you met wrestling fans? Uh, many, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Okay, so well, like if Kane don't touch the talent, I absolutely one hundred percent agree with that. I went to Steel City Con six or seven years ago. They had a Batman sixty six reunion, so the photo op was Adam West, Burt Ward, and Julie Newmore. They told us flat out, don't touch Adam West, don't shake his hand, as little interaction as possible when you're in there. But I was still like directly behind him. Like you could tell I was in the same zip code at least. They mm. do that with Shatner. Yeah. They do that with William Shatner at Comic Con over over here the last time he was here so stallone also 350 dollars for a picture with stallone and you couldn't tell you couldn't put your arm around him or anything you had to keep your distance a little bit from him so i'm not surprised but to have sasha and naomi literally eight feet away from the person they're taking the picture of you might as well have asked for a photo in the parking lot it would have been free sure james darren was like the last celebrity photo op i paid for he played uh Vic fontaine on star trek deep space nine and like he was like super cool. He was like, get closer, get your wife in here too. Take one without your wife too. Um, there are like, some who who want to do it. There are some who who are just going through the motions to collect that paycheck. So my favorite was somebody posted a picture from last year where John Kino posted her picture of somebody or plectic lap between them because of COVID guidelines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no difference between that and the Kasha picture. Uh yes, sure- there is. <laughs> like, they, I, like if you wouldn't have told me there were plectic lap there, I wouldn't have been able to tell. And it looked like you're in the game freaking zip code. Yeah, you could edit that out. 
this one you have to pull out like a good six feet of picture out of your photo to get yourself close or you could fold the photo like we used to do when we were kids you know something in the middle so yeah it was pretty embarrassing but um not surprising at that all right i think that's enough about that anybody have anything they want to talk about before we get before we get going here no 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 all right then let's go ahead and go over what's on iwtv this week what's on iwtv Wednesday, August 10th, 10 p.m. Eastern, the world premiere of AFPW Anniversario. Thursday, August 11th, 8 p.m. Eastern, Wrestling Open Epico 32 Live. Live on Saturday, August 13th, 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, Freelance Underground presents This Thing of Ours. Main event, No Hold Bar, Chico Quave against Project Monarch. Further to fun destruction versus pick and pop for the Freelance Underground Tag Team Championship and more. Sunday, August 14th, 8 p.m. Eastern, is the world premiere of H2O, Underrated, Epicode 37. And Monday, August 15th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, H2O presents Like a Hawk, live from the H2O Wrestling Center, Colby Carino defending the H2O Championship against Marcus Mather in the main event, Lucky 13 defending the Damian Havoc Hardcore Championship against Brandon Kirk, and the Hybrid Championship on the line, Adonis Valerio defending against Reed Walker, Chris Bradley, and Declan Grant in a four-way match, among others. And that's what's on IWTV this week, act of this recording. And now, okay, act of this recording because IWTV has the habit of finding out, like, five minutes before the show starts. Oh, yeah, we can stream from here. Like, uh, we do have a little bit of a longer show this week to cover, so we're going to skip our wrestling spotlight segment for this week. We're going to go ahead and get right into our weekly review. The Weekly Review. And this week, we are covering Paradigm Pro Wrestling Terminal Combat 2 from American Legion Post 204 in Kellerberg, Indiana. The show aired live on IWTV on July 15th. Right, so before we get into the show itself, Gary, I'm going to a- a- ask you this question here. I-, I know the UWFI role were pretty much your brainchild for Paradigm. Where did the Terminal Combat concept come into play? Uh, <clears throat> this is the shoot, Dave Meltzer. Um, so... In a roundabout way. So summer of 2020, we were trying to run Tom Lawler over Stefan Bonner, which didn't end up having, happening because of COVID. Uh, but we were advertising as UWFI rule super fight, right? Just using that. But when he ran about it in the Observer, he called it a UWFI rule street fight. And it's like, this idea doesn't make sense. You can't do a UWFI rule street fight. And I'm like, bet. Bet you I can figure out a way how to do that. Because um, those are my two favorite genres of wrestling, like, uh, UWFI rules, shoot style, and classical hardcore. And we ran a lot of both styles anyway. So I'm like, let's see how we can kind of combine it. Then the name Terminal Combat is from a Kim Shamrock movie from the 90s called Champions, um, which is a great movie. It's a kickboxer ripoff of kind of blood sport ripoff if you've never seen it. But they fight in this underground fight league to the death, whatever. This is early UFC era. Um, and the, the fight league they're in, Danny Trejo's the villain, incidentally, is called Terminal Combat. Um, so I just always loved, it's one of my favorite movies. It's a really cheesy nineties movie. So I'm like, let, let, let's try that. So, so let me ask you about UWFI because I, I've said it before on this show, cause we've covered a few other ones of your show, um, your shows. So a couple things, UWFI rules. I, I never, and I've been watching wrestling since the eighties. All right. So I, I was at WrestleMania one, like I, I'm, I love, I love pro wrestling, but I never heard of UWFI until we started doing this and I had to go back and look what made you 
and where, what, what influence? Cause you're, you're in the middle of the country, honestly, East coast, we had so much access to, you know, cable and, and tapes and everything else. What made you want to, or made you obsessed with UWFI? What, what got you on that, that style? So it actually goes back to me being in childhood as well. My dad had a cable descrambler box. It's outside of the statute of limitations now, so I can talk about it. Uh, <laughs> so we could watch all the pay-per-views, you know, for free, pirate them. The infamous and black box. Exactly. Yep. And UWFI was running North American pay-per-views in the early 90s. Um, so we got into those. My dad has never been a pro wrestling fan, but when we were watching those, you got to remember that predates MMA. Um, and on the Barker channel, you know, when they were running ads, they were like, it's real, it's real, it's real. And my dad knew I liked the WWF. So he's like, why don't you check this out? It looks like pro wrestling, but it's real. Um, so we watched it together because, you know, it was advertised as a shoe. And, you know, by and large, it was not a shoe. There was some shoot matches there. There was mainly worked matches, though. But this predates MMA. You don't know what a real fight looks like. Like Pancrase, right? I mean, exactly. Same idea. Same idea. Um, but they were on in the U.S. before Pancrase. So that's how I kind of learned about the UWFI. I always liked that shoot style. Um, you know, going into wrestling, then I was always drawn towards the, you know, the people with the shoot backgrounds. Um, I was a boxer when I was younger and in better shape. So, like, I've always liked combat sports. You know, I, I grew up on the UFC as well, dating back to UFC 1. I've been watching, you know, religiously since then. I don't think I've missed a UFC fight this year, period. Um, so, I, I really like shoot sports, and I really like some of the pageantry and theatrics of wrestling. And I feel like UWFI is a good balance because you can still be creative, you can still have your storytelling. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to build things when you have control over a finish as it will be in MMA. And to be honest, it's a lot, it's a lot cheaper to promote pro wrestling than it is to promote MMA or boxing mm -hmm. things, sports I've looked into getting into. Um, so we kind of decided to combine them. And the uh, people of, and the good people of Indiana, it's, which is amazing to me. I don't see a lot of UWFI rules matches in a lot of States. So you, you, you're in a, you're in a different, in a state where, I guess it's very accepting of that style because I have not seen UWFI matches in, in on the East Coast in a very long time. Yeah, and I think a good portion of that, you know, blood sports similar, so they'll run wherever, you know, GCW is. But a good portion of that is uh, Southern Indiana wrestling is pretty crazy. You know, it's it's been a hotbed down here for a long time. Uh, Ian Rotten and IW Mid-South uh, ran down here. And Ian's style was always people beating the shit out of each other, right? There's a lot of stiff matches in IWA. So this area was pretty, you know, okay with working stiff. So I think the UWFI style just kind of naturally fit in here. And it was different. You know, it's not hardcore wrestling, although we do run quite a bit of that, which is like, you know, here we had IWA, which is death matches. And we had OVW, which is, you know, PV territory type wrestling. And we kind of filled a kind of a unique void. You know, we presented ourselves as a third alternative because it's a very crowded market down here. One of the everybody says they run in the most crowded indie wrestling market. At one time, I feel like we were doing like we wouldn't just be running against one show. We'd be running against three different shows on a Friday sometimes. Um, so it was just kind of, you know, an easy way to be our calling card and to stand out. And, you know, people locally do seem to like it. You know, we've split uh, our shows. So some are UWFI, some are not. And they actually draw separate audiences which is always interesting. The live attendance of those looks very different. Excellent. Okay. Cause I have one thing that comes off on this particular show here. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the guidelines are in Indiana right now, but it doesn't look like there are that many people in the building for the number of people on the show, number of magic on the show. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I, we don't draw for shit, man. 
I, I, I mean, I'm not knocking. Obviously, everybody got paid. We're not hearing any controversy about all the fucking paradigm. They got they stiff me on pay or any of that thing. So, but not yet. Not yet. <laughs> we don't have an issue with that. We always tell the the crowd. You know, it's the same thing. Uh, Dom tells me that Gabe used to tell them, um, or that Eric Stevens said that you know it's a streaming product. Our online audience is pretty sizable. Our live attendance really varies by season because again, wrestling is pretty overexposed here. Um, pre sales well, were difficult here because a certain promoter would promote shows to Crown Kings and then cancel them and never refund tickets. Um, you know, we probably did 75, I think, final paid. We always have people that buy tickets and don't show up, I think, just to support the product. Uh, so in building, I think we probably had 60, 65 paid, which is not a big audience for indie wrestling, but not. I mean, it's, it, listen, I've been at shows with 15 out in, in Hoboken, so I'm not that's 75 is, is a nice size if people are into it and doing it, which it seemed like everybody is into the show when it gets going. Um, and, and you do get a, a good head of steam. I think um, well, we'll get into it, but I think the the length of matches and and the style lends itself to, you know, a quick hit you get your match you get it over with you get going but we'll we'll go over it as we get into as we get into it jayhawk i'll throw it to you yeah and and, I'm, and i've worked in in i've worked a show with seven people paid once so yeah. like i'm not gonna knock 65 or 75 or whatever you guys have i've worked in front of work but let's go ahead and get into the show but and we've drawn is- worse for the record too <laughs> <laughs> But this is a very long show. We're going to go ahead and get into it here. There were 13 matches advertised for the show. There end up being 14. We'll get into it. Match number one, Mac Nero against Josh Crane. Now, uh, for those not familiar with the Terminal Combat rule, the first five minutes are under the UWFI rules. And if there's no winner at that point, at that point we go to Terminal Combat, which is still commissioned for knockouts only, but anything goes, do whatever you want to do. The Ian Rotten style of wrestling, if you will. And I believe the hype packages for the, the average UWFI rules match is like four minutes and 23 seconds. So the odds are that you're not going to hit Terminal Combat that often. And we kind of uh, went against the rule on the odds on this one quite a bit here. Clint with the first match here, Mac Nero against Josh Crane. Uh, if there was a three knockdown rule, Mac Nero would have won this match in like the first minute and a half. He's just laying in the, in the crane like right off the bat. Uh, we do get to a spot with about a minute left where they're like, you know what, let's just run the clock out for Terminal Combat and be done with it, and the referee duck and allow it. Remember that for later on in the show. <laughs> and, and- now, now, as as Marcy's favorite wrestler, Max Zero, came out, uh, uh, my, I, I, and I think we've talked about Max Zero a bunch on this show. Max Zero's evolution as well. He it, terrific. I like watching Max Zero. I, I think. You want Max Zero in a in a five to six minute style match. I don't think you Max Zero is lending himself yet to those you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen minute matches. Um, my question to you, Gary, is this, and I've been waiting to ask you this since we just since we're starting. UWFI it's supposed to feel very very heavy hitting, very real. You have a guy like Max Zero come out in sparkly tights. I personally was asking this question of Porter as well, and he gave me the business. <laughs> Shouldn't everybody be in fighting shorts or some style of athletic equipment that lends itself more to a fight as opposed to the entertainment side of the show? No, I don't think so. Because if you look at the UFC before they instituted the uniforms, people wore whatever they wanted to. You know, Tom Lawler wore some crazy stuff to the ring. Dennis Hallman fought in a match in Philadelphia that I was at in the UFC in a banana hammock. He went into the cage and fought in a banana hammock. <laughs> well, I remember that. Yes, I, I do remember that. Um, I just wondered because we're, we're that what you know that 
what you're looking at is a match where someone could just get knocked out. There's no pinfalls. You're not looking for that. You know, you're not sitting there with a, you know, a fourth, you know, a 40 second chin lock. You're looking for, you know, a fight. Bang. Let's hit it hard. Let's go. I want everybody in fighting shorts. I, I was eviscerated the last time we talked about this because of it, but then they go into terminal combat. I get it. You want at least, but I think there would be something that lends itself to saying, Oh, these dudes are going to, you know, everybody in here is going to beat the crap out of each other. And then we switch to terminal combat and they're wearing their D's and everything. And then it's almost like they have to switch mindsets so that, you know, th- they're going into this hardcore arena. Uh, just for me, that's just my own thing. I- I've been waiting to ask you about that to, since nah, we, we I, I get talk it. about it. Like for me, like w- one of my favorite boxers growing up was Julio Cesar Chavez, right? And he came out, he did not fight in traditional shorts, right? Mm-hmm. He would come out, he would look like Julius Caesar, including in his ring attire. And so I think there's always been room for personality in combat sports. Um, and, and I think if you go that route where everybody looks the same, it's like a, it's like a Young Lions match. No one cares because you don't give a reason to connect here. right? you got to consider our guys generally have four minutes to connect with the audience. Our, our guys, girls, non-binary pals, they've got four minutes, generally speaking. So you're not going to be able to show a whole lot of character in that time, almost none. But if you want to sell merchandise and, you know, draw repeat tickets, you got to draw them in that, in that four minutes. And sometimes a flashy entrance is a good way to do that. Memorable attire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it helps you get that connection with the audience in that four minutes you get. Because it's hard to stick out. You know, we'll, we'll legitimately, we ran 14 at Terminal Combat. I will run tapings with 40 matches. I've, I've seen it. Yep. <laughs> and, and so, you know, you got to try hard to stick out in those four minutes. So I think that's where some of the attire and some of the mannerisms and the trying to be catchy comes in. I, I like the actors. It's an excellent point. No, it's an excellent point. I think, I think they, Marcy and Jayhawk and poor, they were trying to t- explain the exact same thing. Um, when we, we talked about it and uh, I, I appreciate your side of it to see that. Um, I was just, you know, I it, just my opinion, but this match was went right to terminal combat and you know, it, I, I see where, what you mean by, you know, the, the short amount of time to get your personality across. I, I get it. So my takeaway from all of this is Max Zero should rock a banana hammock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he would if you asked him. Um, yeah, I think you should tell him next time that Marcy requested from IWTV guy <laughs> that he wears a banana hammock uh, just for one match. Maybe just gives a little wink into the camera. He was talking Ooh. about starting an OnlyFans. I'm not sure if he did or not, but he, Mars, he's probably not that far off. I Marcy reviews. Again. Yep. <laughs> yeah, okay. Wait. I, we, 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 need, we need all the dirt on that if that happens. Um, but no, I, I love Max Zero. I love this match. This was actually one of my favorite matches from the show. Um, probably top two or three for me. I, I love the finish. Um, I thought they got very creative and I, I liked Zero cut a promo at the end, you know, declaring himself for our next tournament, saying he's tired of being overlooked. And it, it's really a shoot. Like he dude does drive 11 hours to get there and he's the first one there and the last one to leave. Um, and, and I've got a lot of respect for Max Zero. I think he's rolled the potential for him. Josh Payne's a Really solid hand. He's got the great hardcore background. I think he's coming to his own on UWFI. Um, I think they beat the shit out of each other in the UWFI rules portion. Um, and I thought the hardcore got across well. I like to, on Terminal Combat, start with the match that immediately goes into hardcore so people understand the concept. I always try to do a cold open with our UWFI shows or, or Terminal Combat. Like Before we play the rules video, we do one of those matches. That's what I was actually going to say because we didn't see the rules until after the first match. Yeah, and I remember that coming up. Yeah. By design, because like I generally think the rules make things seem more complicated than they are. 
generally, if you just watch one and practice, I think they're pretty easy to follow, both terminal combats and UWFI rules. Whereas you explain all the minutiae of the rules, it seems much more complicated than it is. Yeah. And I will say, though, you know, taking points away and such, when you have terminal combat at the end, you know, it doesn't really matter in, in this in this setting, right? I mean, if a guy, rope breaks were being done during the show and they were taught, the announcers were talking about taking a point away and whatever, but if you're going to terminal combat and there's no, you know, at five minutes, normally you WFI, right? You go to the scorecards, you know, like. Well, we've had matches finished by points. So it doesn't, if you run out of points, the match is over. Right. But if you're going, but if you're going to terminal combat and guys are not doing, guys are kind of waiting till that gets there, you know, then the point system is kind of. But if you, save, it, you could still lose by points. That's correct. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because, like, the two points finishes we've done were both uh, in sub-three-minute matches. Because, you know, if there's a points finish, it means that the fight's been pretty one-sided. And it's like the mercy rule in Little League. Right. Uh, my kids literally could have used freaking the mercy rule this year. Come of those games. But that's another matter entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right. Now, so at one point during the terminal combat portion, Crane took a title belt out of a trash can hit Hero with it, threw it back in the trash can. Do you have any idea what belt that was? Or that oh, just- yeah, I do. That was the King of the Death Matches title. Got it. Okay. All right, so- We're in that same market. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to figure. And now that you can't, it's like, okay, that makes perfect sense. So the finish came when Hero trapped Crane underneath several doors and just started hitting the pile repeatedly with chair until the referee stopped the match. 921, the total time of it. And then, of course, you mentioned the promo, Hero, you know, entering himself into Heavy Hitters 4, which we'll talk about at the end here. I know that's coming up. From there. I just want to put over, it sounded like shotgun glass in that venue when he started uh, hitting the doors. Um, I, and I don't think it came across quite as loud as it was in person, but in person it was like shocking how loud that was, uh, which I think really contributed to that, like probably being one of our, if not the most over matches of the night. Match number two, Chase Holiday against Lobo Akami, accompanied by members of the brand. Uh, this is more in line with what you're normally going to see with the UWFI rule style match. Okami going for the knockout. Members of the brand are yelling at him, stay on him, stay on him, stay on him. Trying to win the match. So why are you yelling at him? Holiday does get a high knee on Okami for the stoppage. Just a minute 38. Going real quick. Brand turns on Okami after the match. I think I think it's going to be longer to explain it than it did for the match to actually happen. <laughs> Just perfectly fine for the style of match. I have no issue with that. Yep. And I think... You did the opening to get to Terminal Combat. People understand the concept. Now you come right back with a really super short match here to get over that. Hey, these matches don't necessarily have to get to that stage. I yeah. I, I, I like how that started like that. Correct. And in theory, you know, like we did Terminal Combat 1, hardly any of them went to hardcore. Terminal Combat 2, everybody wanted to work hardcore. So a lot, a lot more went to hardcore. But in theory, Terminal Combat, there should be three, four hardcore matches. We did a lot more Terminal Combat 2, though. We did notice that, yeah. And we will we will talk about that as we go because I mean you call it terminal combat so I assume matches are going to go to <laughs> terminal combat so you know it 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 uh, you know uh, it was the, it made the the UWFI style kind of lo- it it drew those matches out a little long um, but the the terminal combat pieces I you know w- the ones that did go down I I felt like they were they were handled pretty well um, I the only thing I thought was funny and I don't, I don't you probably don't think it's funny is when you hear that five four three two one going to terminal combat and you see everybody come running out with doors and and equipment and then the match is over and they just scurry to the back almost like you have like trolls living in the walls who are bringing out the equipment <laughs> and then they just scuffle away when it's over and then the equipment is just gone you're just like oh okay that's that was there for that now it's gone but um so if we I thought, had a bigger yeah. budget 
if we had a bigger budget and a bigger venue, my idea for it is I want the lights to go off when Terminal Combat starts, and I want them to be in Druid clothing for whatever reason. When they're <laughs> it's but always Druids. The, the budget or really the facilities for that just yet, but nah, I find that funny too. Got to draw a little bit more than 75 before you can start doing stuff like that for it. I just need a better venue, man. <laughs> we can do that in Columbus. That's just Where the was the venue yet. that you ran those um, those weekly shows from? That's the Jeffersonville Arena. And we can't oh. live stream out of that building is the biggest downside of that building. Okay. How far is that from your current, lo- from the location that this one's done in? 10 minutes. And we also can't do hardcore as much at that building. There's limitations on what we can do. Well, um, I, I like those shows. I, I we, we reviewed a few of them and, and uh, they went quickly. And, and for an hour, it really was, you know, really succinct. And uh, I liked, I liked the, the, the one hour, you know, paradigm shows. I thought they were great. I think that's probably the best thing that we do. Um, it's just not part of the reason the Jeffersonville arena doesn't have adequate air conditioning. So we don't really run there as much in the summer. We are running there on Friday, but generally we try to keep it to one or two shows in the summer there. So we will try and do our live streaming or our touring when it's going to be hot out um, for that reason. Cause I, I like that. Ven- I like how that venue comes across on camera a lot better than I like the Legion, but from a fan experience, a fan in the building perspective, the Legion's much more comfortable to attend the show at. Mm-hmm. So match number three, we have Travis Huckabee against Scarlett. Travis Huckabee like a technical master. Scarlett, not really, but Scarlett held her own. I was impressed. Yeah, this is the first time I ever saw Scarlett. I think um, I think she did great. Um, Huckabee is a professional. Just you know, you know what you're going to get. Like I, I, I've talked, I've talked about this on this show when I watch uh, an indie show that I'm not 100 percent familiar with everybody on the card. If I see somebody that makes me comfortable, it makes it that much easier to like pay, pay, either pay for it and go see it or watch it on, you know, IWTV. And when I see Travis Huckabee on there, I know, you know, there's several guys on here that make me that comfortable Dom and, and Bob Beverly and things like that. But um, Travis Huckabee is a great way to like, if you want to see a professional come out there and, and understand what he's supposed to do. You can watch Travis Huckabee. Yeah, no, I love Travis. Um, Travis is a great dude. Uh, as you said, I personally think Travis in ring might be the best guy we have on the roster, just in terms of like sheer ring technician. Um, and like, you know, for instance, uh, he, he's good too. Cause like I almost had to ask him to wrestle five times a night and he was willing to do it. Um, Cause Jordan blade was actually at our March taping scheduled to wrestle five times that night. And it was a nightmare getting her here because the flight delays and everything else. And the entire Grand Prix was written around her. And I'm like, oh, shit. If she's not here, I need somebody else to work five times. And Travis had offered to do it. So wow, good, good hand, reliable. Really like Travis. Right. Let's become our second terminal combat match. Scarlet winning with a head button here you perform from the stoppage in 902. And good, good stuff here. I got no, I've got no complaint. I'm not sure about going to a second terminal combat match this early. You kind of touched on why that happened already. So, well, that and two, we're trying to build Scarlet as a monster. Um, she's going to be in our monsters ball match next month. So I wanted her to, you know, get a bit more acclimated to her. Where, where is she, she from? Uh, What's her background? Uh, she's from Pittsburgh. Uh, she came to us from Contender Season Four. I want to say she works also at like Rise. Um, the same oh, another right. okay. Lee yeah. already came out of. Yeah. Okay. I'll check that out. Yeah, I was very impressed by her. So yes, good on. This was the first time I saw her, and I was impressed. I loved her look; she was awesome. Yeah. Anytime you get a woman who can come in the ring, and you know, there's no doubt when you're watching that match that she is not overmatched. You're not. You're not. 
you don't even have to suspend your belief, you know, as kayfabe goes. You can just go, yeah, she would whoop my ass if I was in there. It's sure. it makes it that much. It adds that much more to more to the match. Uh, yeah, I, I agree, and I really like Scarlett, and I, I see us doing a lot more with her in the future. Excellent. Okay, match number four for the Paradigm Pro Wrestling North Atlantic Commonwealth Heritage Championship. Ryan Clark against Kenny Von England. First question I have: Is the name of that title a rib? Yeah. <laughs> yes flat out yes <laughs> no the, that title exists because i i went to go see a the aew forbidden door pay-per-view i tried to go watch it in a movie theater um and our feed went out during the all-atlantic championship match and a i think the all-atlantic name is hilarious especially since they've got pacific countries on the title yeah uh, and i'm like i can think of a more ridiculous title name and that was my attempt to be more ridiculous than that I give you full marks because it's certainly ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and this and this is a ridiculous match. It's our third terminal combat match out of four matches on the show already. Uh, I, again, we're getting really heavy with the terminal combat really early in the show. Uh, what I do like is that it's kind of like, you know what, even though a terminal combat lets you do a gentleman's agreement and, and not do the hardcore stuff, and then he hits hit the low blow, and we have the hardcore anyway. They bust out the Lego. They're complex into a garbage can. The garbage can does not give. Like I, I can, I can hear Matthew from Botchamania going, "I am the trash can." Uh, uh, we get a, an interesting little finish here. Clark gets a chicken wing complex, gets the knockout at thirteen twenty-seven. But Paradigm Pro International indicates that because Clark lives on the Pacific side of Ohio, he is not eligible to win the North Atlantic Commonwealth Heritage Championship. So. Kenny Von England wins the title by geographical default. What? <laughs> All of Ohio is... Uh, All of Ohio's on the Atlantic. On the Atlantic All of Ohio's side. the Atlantic side. <laughs> That's how geography works. It, it, it's like I told Ryan after the show, he, he shops at the wrong jungle gyms. There's one on the west side and there's one on the east side. He goes to the west side one. It's his own fault. All right, so I have, I have, I have several questions about the finish. <laughs> All right, first off, who is determining where the cutoff is for the Atlantic and the Pacific side of Ohio? Like, are, are you can Columbus like a blanket central Ohio? Go anything eat to Columbus, to Atlantic, want to Columbus and Pacific? Or you so, can like I 71 at the guideline if you're eat to 71 or what the 71? Like, what's the guideline here? So, do you remember WCW International World Title? That was sanctioned by a different promotion than WCW, right? WCW International and WCW are not the same thing. PPW International and Paradigm Pro are not the same thing. So you would have to talk to Paradigm Pro. <laughs> that is a great non-answer. I love it. I'm good. I'm good with that. I am good with that. I think we'll need to reach out to Paradigm Pro International for the next show that we do. We might have to. Get him the on owner. the phone and tell someone to teach him geography. <laughs> we may have to have the owner of that company come on the next time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we'll I'm going to make Gary we'll part of the third recording. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> season six, episode one, try Eight, number three. three. <laughs> I think this season we're just going to review the show over and over. Again. Over and over. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to make Gary a far bullshit anchor go. That is one of the greatest fucking bullshit anchor I've ever heard. I love it. Uh, oh. But yeah, no, they, it was, you know, that that title itself is generally going to be um, defended under British rules, British rounds moving forward. Um, but as I said, different things from body. You I know, know British rounds uh, matches. I, I was, 
I, I was not familiar. Then I saw that one that they did. Uh, was it NXT when they did the British? Which one was it? What company did it recently? And all of a sudden now I see British rounds a lot and I'm much more comfortable with the rules and things like that. I like that you're going to go in that direction. I think that's the cool uh, extra. I do think, and I don't know if you've, if you've noticed this, I think when AEW started, um, they have brought back a lot more gimmick matches and they have brought it more to the mainstream. So you're more comfortable. You know, every everybody clamors for nostalgia. So we loved when an NXT did war games, right? We're thinking, you know, it's X. And then AEW does a bull rope match. And now I see bull, way more bull rope matches than I than I expected. You know, more less less than from 2002 to like 2018. And now I'm seeing more, you know, dog collar matches. I'm seeing more barbed wire matches. All the gimmick matches. I think the English rounds match is a great idea. I really do. I think it's different. I it, it breaks up the monotony. I think UWFI rules as well breaks up the monotony of what we've been watching because we have been exposed. The wrestling business got so boring on television, and now everyone is being a lot more creative by bringing back some of those matches. I think I think it's a great idea. I look forward to that. I just don't know if you, you should have those uh, uh, geographic rules. When Sid defends those <laughs> that, that said belt, well, Bruce Brown came to us uh, for, for Sid uh, asking to work under that style. I was actually not familiar with British rounds, and he sent me some World of Sports stuff. And I'm like, this is fun. It's different. I'm cool yeah. with it. I, I can tell you as far as gimmick matches go, at least here locally, we don't. I don't watch AEW, but I did grow up in the vicinity of a lot of Memphis wrestling, which is all gimmick matches as well. Mm-hmm. So I think I probably absorbed some of it through osmosis that way. So my whole thing is when I'm writing out a card, I want something to put above the name of the match. That's not singles match, right? And that's literally how a lot of our gimmick matches happen. Like if I can build something as David and Goliath, great. But like I want there to be a hook for the match. And if there's not a natural hook, I make it a gimmick match. I like it. It's a good idea, actually. Really, really. Well, I, I, I do think that's a, a good way to, uh, to put it if you, you want to put something on that card. You know, not enough people also remember. I remember the paper cards as a kid. We all like see a lot more of those, you know, with collecting. So now you make it look like that. And yes, it's a great, I think it's a great idea. I, I think that's the right way to do it. And we actually do, um, we've not last couple of shows because I've gotten lazy, but we used to do paper cards like that uh, for our live audience. Uh, and we'll probably have those back at Hitters for just to explain some of the rule sets because we got a lot of gimmick matches on that show. Uh, but I, I like to do that, like with the card on front and then on the back. We especially did this on our early UWFI rules. There was an explanation of the rules for the lab audience. Yeah, that's one thing companies do not do enough of anymore, actually having a lineup sheet and a program and that kind of thing. Yeah. WWE, WWE doesn't even do it anymore. No, we they don't. a magazine for a minute, like our first year, and I, we just couldn't move copies of it. We wrote a whole magazine, similar to a pro, program. Um, like we did 12 to 16 pages and like we just couldn't sell it and it didn't justify the print cost. I think is probably why most people don't do it. You know, you can't really charge more than three, four dollars for one of those, but you can't print in color and glossy in a magazine format for three, four dollars on a short run order. Um, so they just ultimately weren't cost effective. I mean, I, I would settle for just a sheet of paper, a card, and got the card on one side and the sponsor on the other. Like that, sure. then that that's fine. To me, that's fine with me. But well, our slogan is "We do the most," so we always <laughs> <laughs> would try to do, uh, you know, more than that. Oh, our our next matchup: Jake Bravado against Joe Alexander. This was my favorite finish of the entire show. Got some good technical wrestling. Got some good scoop 
Alexander gets the commission with the banana split at four minutes and 58 seconds. So just under that bell for terminal combat. Great finish. My favorite finish of the entire show. Yeah. Solid, solid. I, I think I needed it after almost as a palate cleanser from, uh, the, uh, uh, North Atlantic spring training, <laughs> whatever we call that heritage title. Um, I do think, uh, I think this match brought, brought you back cause it, it didn't go as far and it gave you that style. So, Definitely a good, good, good pal cleanser and a really good finish. Yeah, I, I love both those guys. Um, and what's funny, it was not a really designed as a beat the clock finish. I just told them, you know, take as much of the five minutes as you can because um, I think they both got tremendous upside. Like we were trying to build as like our top prospect match because um, I think they both got a ton of potential. And last year we did the same thing with uh, Alex Kane and Isaiah Broner. We're, we're in a similar spot people that we saw as our top prospects that weren't going to go into terminal combat, but we knew could have a killer match. So, um, and you know, both of them ended up pretty high on our card shortly thereafter. So my hope is that this match, I kind of want that to be an annual terminal combat tradition as we put two of our, you know, hot prospects against each other. Um, and, and I was really pleased with how that went. You know, Mark, you are part of the show as well. You can chime in. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I when I say something, it matters. That's why. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's right. None, none of us, none of us matter. Only what Marky says matters. I keep. I think, I I think Marcy's We're right. all learning now. That's right. Mar- Marcy lets me blow out all the hot air, and then she comes in with a, a hammer throw, and it's all good. So we we're we're finding our rhythm, so to speak. And there's extra hot air now in here too, with me here. So between you and I, it's just it's a re- really hot in this room right now. <laughs> I know how to pick my spots. That's all. Okay. Yes, indeed. All right, we'll go with that. All right, go so from there. We have our lone tag team match of the of the evening here. Members of the brand, Ben Sheeran and Dustin Leonard, taking on members of DD Trash, Bruce Gray and Tyler Vock. Uh, uh, the funny thing is here, we couldn't the first point loss, but you only have 30 points left. Uh, no, at 21 points. Oh, you only have 19 points left. You only lost one point, 20, whatever. Uh, I I like that DD Trash. That's the first time I've ever seen seen the the group. I, I'm a big fan. I thought they were they were entertaining. Oh, DD Trash is great. Um, this was not the best environment they've been put in as far as to be able to showcase themselves, uh, but they are phenomenal. And, and Dustin Leonard is really really good as well. But this match was kind of a uh, this was not the match that was originally booked. Um, but due to scheduling, con- we had to blow off an angle from Contender Season Five that involved the brand and dd trash and the originally planned one the wrestler who was supposed to be in there brutus dylan was not able to make the show so that's kind of how it got shuffled around what it was um so you know uh you know dustin leonard and dd trash will both be in better spots going forward and that's not a knock on Ben. he's just a manager um you know he's a very very good manager but that would match was one that happened more out of necessity than by design and it's ben sheeran uh, getting stopped with the rear naked choke from Bruce Gray. Three minutes and 15 seconds. Wrestling like Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the gong? Okay. <laughs> that was a stinker. My apologies. <laughs> See, if I don't talk a lot, I won't say shit like that. See? <laughs> See? I don't know who Ed Sheeran is. The Should singer. I? The redheaded singer. The guy who plays the song of the guitar. Come I think on. he was, was on Game of Thrones or something. He yeah. certainly was. It's a different generation. Sorry, you guys. I apologize. <laughs> Man, I'm old too, but I don't get that reference. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any. Uh, no shame in this one. I'll just sit in that that uncomfortableness <laughs> for a little bit. I would love to. I, I bet your home office will edit in a bunch of dead air. 
So it sounds like nobody said a word afterwards. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what happens. There you go. <laughs> okay, go from there. We get to our last match of the first half of the show. Dominic Garini taking on Bobby Beverly, accompanied by Gregory Iron. Porter Shake, your referee. So all Ohio match up here. Well, that's Quite- why the crowds had to chant "fuck Ohio." They just they didn't like anyone, I guess. <laughs> I don't think they realized. I don't think they realized that Dom was from Ohio, but Dom was like, "Uh, hello, I'm from Ohio too." Like, wait a minute. Well, part of that's because Dom has had, from my booking, uh, more facial turns than the Big Show. So, well, which I think is a joke commentary still for somebody else later on, but it's true for us as well. Because when Lawler's there, he's a heel. When he's there by himself, he's a face. I will say, I, I, this to me, this is the, the this is probably one of my. This is probably the top, my favorite match of the night. Um, I love Bev. I love Dom. Um, I love the, so I don't see a whole lot of Bev. He's not everywhere. And when I see him in Paradigm, he's really presented as a force. And I love seeing that he is, because he was an AIW, you know, part of the the tag team with, with Eric Ryan and such, you know. Um, and when I saw him kind of single in Paradigm, I am, I love that presentation of him. So I take it, it's not something there when I see him against Dom, even though I think Dom should kill everybody. That's just my opinion. I love Dom. I love him as a person. I think he's, I think every time he's in the ring, he should just murder everybody. But this was a great match. The two of them worked very well together. And I think it's, it's not difficult to work well with Dom. So, you know, it was just a well-presented, really good end of the first half style match. And it, it made me happy to watch. So, you know, I have, no complaints over how this match, except for Dom losing. But otherwise, I have no complaints <laughs> with this match. Uh, Bev doesn't job for us. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bev, Bev kind of has to win this one because they're building up the Ron Mathis thing for October. I mean, you kind of have to keep him strong. I got to keep Mathis strong. We'll get into into that here in a few in a couple of minutes here. I mean, I, I get where you're going with it with the booking. I, I was going to say my entire booking philosophy. You can ask anybody in the roster is Bev needs to be kept strong. So. <laughs> Is that oh. the last three years? Well, you got to remember, Jay Gold. Bev was the first person in Paradigm Pro to actually win on point in the UWFI style match. No, I I love the way he's presented there. I know when I see him on Paradigm, he's you know, and I I it's a silly comparison, but and you, none of you have to agree with me. But when Jinder Mahal was the was the heel in NXT when they first started, and he was wrestling Seth Rollins for that NXT title. Nobody treated Jinder Mahal like he was wearing pleather pants and singing with a fake band. They took him seriously. He was a bad guy. He did a lot of bad things, and everybody booed him, and they took him 100% seriously. This is what I love about Bev. You see him, you don't, you don't think of that dopey 440 shit. You look at him, and you go, I love Bev is a serious contender. Anytime he's in there, he can win, and I love the way he's presented in Paradigm. No, I appreciate that, too, because that yeah. was – a big plan too was actually dating back to our second heavy hitters tournament. He won that tournament, mm-hmm. one man tournament that had you know Chris Dickinson in it, uh, Stephen Bonner, Matt Justice, mm-hmm. Lee Moriarty. We had Tom, Tom Lawler. It was a card that I never could pull off. Now it was easier pandemic times because there was no competition. Uh, and Bev went up on that. And my whole idea with that was that we thought we would get a negative internet response from Bev winning. So I don't know if you remember early Ring of Honor when they put the title on Xavier. Oh, I do. Yep. And it pissed off the internet, man. The internet was so mad about that, said he didn't deserve it, which was 
bullshit. Xavier was as good as in ring as any of those guys and a better character than most of them. Um, but like there was all that push back from the smart fans and that's largely our audience. And I'm like, the only way I'm going to make a real heel is if I can get the smart fans pissed off at somebody. So that was the original design with Bev. Now Bev is just over, right? He's just over for us. He's actually turned into one of our best ticket sale sellers, but that was the initial design behind uh, Bev's first push with us. I think it's well done. And that's why this match worked very, very well. Yeah. So Bev stalled. Uh, it's fourth match to get into terminal combat. And that five minutes and one-tenth of a second, Gregory Iron starts interfering. And got basically two-on-one throughout the terminal combat portion. Bev eventually put Dom through a door, hits the knee trembler, gets the stoppage, and 11.40 kicks. Iron cut the promo after the match, hyping the 60-minute Iron Man death match with Ron Mathis coming up in October. I, 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 I love Paradigm. I love you guys. I don't know if I can watch 60 minutes of the of a death match. I just don't think I can do it. And I I, I love I love Mathic and Bev. I just don't know if I can get through 60 minutes of that. I can. It's, it's aggressive. I will say that. It is an aggressive style to have to work for 60 minutes. That other match that we watched, um, I can't remember who it was, but we watched it during the pandemic, that 60 minute death match. That's it's it's asking a lot. So Eric Ryan yeah. and Murdoch, I believe. Oh, is that what yeah, it's asking a lot. So, you know, it it. It's something that, you know, I'll watch with the, with a the curiosity. I just, you know, I, I worry about the timing on that, but I'm, I'm, you know, I leave that in your hands as the promoter. <laughs> well, we uh, were originally going to run it in February and the venue we had scheduled for it fell through. Um, so that's why we turned into in February, we ran a three stages of hell match between them, which went like 40, 45 minutes. Uh, maybe not quite that long, but it was a longer match for us. Like I think our longest match to this point was between them. And I really liked that. And we had, you know, a couple other storylines fall through to some creative disagreements with some other talent. Um, and I'm like, well, I got to go back to Mathis and Bev now. And I'm like, well, we have not done the Iron Man yet. Um, so I actually sprang that on Mathis. I hadn't talked to him ahead of time. Um, when I came in and I announced him in an Iron Man death match, which is promoting one-on-one, don't do that. Uh, but Mathis is chill and, and I knew he'd be down with it. Um, so we actually announced that match before I talked to either guy about it. Yeah, I knew I, in a world they'd be down though. Now I can't. Now I can't. I don't think I can actually watch that match. I probably will. Like, <laughs> I, I love, I love, I love Beth. I love Math. That match did better viewership for us too. So that that's the idea there. All right. So we go. So we go from there. We come back from intermission. We got the Paradigm Pro Breath Knuckle Championship. Ron Mathis defending against Joshua Bishop. We all love Joshua Bishop on this show. So we're all and we're all biased. Not, super not biased. About that. Not even gonna. Yeah, not gonna lie. We are yes, super duper bad. biased. He's the best. I love him. I was disappointed with how the match kind of played out because I he just whooped uh, Mathis's ass all over the place. And you know what? So I think that that becomes a problem with certain matches. Is that if, if the other guy, which had to run, had to he had to go over because he's wrestling Bob the Bev. Um, you know, I, my question would have been booking him against somebody different, you know, instead of Bishop, so that Bishop didn't kick his ass for, you know, eight minutes and then just get turned around and, and lose that match. That is my my gripe for that match. Ron Mathis is our Ricky Steamboat. Which I, which I, yeah, which after doing some research, I did realize that. Um, so that's kind of how we book him is like he's going to get his ass kicked. Like, because he, you saw less terminal combat, but the kids in the audience love Ron. Love Ron, right? Ron is by far like when kids are in our audience, the most over live person. They love the trash thing, so like that's part of the reason why we book them like that. But I understand where, where you're coming from. I will also make the point that you know sometimes, just like in a fight, it just takes one good shot 
Yeah, I, like I, I'll, I'll give it a, a real life example. I was playing the UFG four with my son earlier, and he was kicking the crap out of me, and I got one punch and down he went. The fight was over. And I like it, how you said real life example, then mentioned a video game. <laughs> Well, real life example i was watching the care bears and one of them was getting beat up real bad and he finally got the stare off and he won the fight and i get it i totally get it (laughs) no i I honestly but i would have loved you know maybe because if you want to have bishop kind of looming which in my opinion on the indies if he's going somewhere i want him looming really large I would have him in a different match than with Ron Mathis, but you know, that's your, again, uh, I'm, that's my, my gripe for that. Can we talk about that bump that Mathis took though? Jesus. Yes. Uh, over the, oh, through the table. The Bishop yeah. bomb through the table. Yeah. 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 From, from the ring to the outside, through the table. Uh, granted, that's not the biggest ring in the world, but when they he set up, I'm like, they're just cheesing it. They're not going to do that. Because these doors are stiff. These aren't nice doors. These are from Habitat Humanity. This was a stiff door. And they get getting set up. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. And then they did it. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Having literally yeah. followed Bishop from his first match ever, do not ever question if Joshua Bishop's going to do something or not. He's probably going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was surprised to see that bump. And, like, it was good and it was safe and they were smooth and it was a great high spot. But, like, Mathis shoot had a hard time beating the count after that bump. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen Bishop willingly take a Death Valley driver off a balcony through like four tables. Like, don't if Joshua Bishop got something up, he's probably planning on doing it. Sure, but he wasn't the one taking the bump there. Oh, also true. Yeah, you've also seen Ron Mathic enough by now to know that he pretty much the same thing. <laughs> They're both insane, yeah. But I, I again, because like Ron will work Memphis style sometimes and tease a bump or like build to it a bit more because him and justice when they worked last year built to a big bump at the end, but like they teased it three, four times first. So I assume that was what was happening. It's like, nah, we're doing this as a fucking transition spot. And it was (laughs) awesome, (laughs) but I was really surprised to see it like that. I want to note that the Jay Gold on his best behavior, but when we tried to record this last week, I got the image of him being in the the gift where the guy throws the paper off his deck. I was uh, listen because because we are a week out now. Yes, Gary, we're a week out, and and I, I, but I am a the biggest Josh Bishop homer. I was super angry about the way that played out. I just it just it it just didn't sit right with me, and um, yeah, and then you know again, it's been two weeks, so I let it simmer since our last show. But um, I I understand what you're um, where you're coming from. I just would have put him somewhere else as opposed to against Mathis, but. You know, that's all. It's the George Foreman, Michael Moore fight from '94. Michael Moore kicked Foreman half for ten rounds. He got called one shot, and Foreman won the fight. Yeah, there's your real life example. There you go. That works. See, that works so much better. Like inside baseball wise, it was supposed to be Tom Lawler versus Mathis. The match would have been booked largely similar, but uh, G1 Climax called. Yeah, Yeah. a little more important for for Lawler to be (laughs) with the G1. We lost him at AIW for yeah last show too. So. But I'm still hoping to run him and uh, him and Mathis because I think that would be it size wise makes more sense. But I think uh, would be a really good match because Mathis actually had a great series of matches with Davey Richards out in West Virginia. Um, he can surprise people. What he can let do. me Gary, let me ask you something. I was thinking of this and I forgot to bring it up in the beginning. What was your experience like when you had Bonner on your show? Stephen Bonner was super nice to me. Yeah, was he easy to work with? Yes. Very much so. Um, what was his? Where was than, he trained? Where, than Andy names. Yeah, where was he trained? Um, I was kind of because I watched him in there. I was like, huh, you know, I, I, you know, he didn't have classic wrestling background. So, 
I believe he trained with future stars of wrestling down in Las Vegas, but I'm not positive on that. He had had a number of matches before he came to us. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the old UFC guys, by and large, are very easy to deal with. They don't have egos. Like, you, you'll work with an old WWE name, and they're like, no, I'm not going to job. And Stefan Bonner's like, of course I'll put him over. How else can you do a trilogy? Makes sense. But, like, things like that. And, like, you know, he's main evented in front of 40,000 people in Rio de Janeiro or whatever it was for a UFC card down there. And, like, he didn't have the ego. Um you know, super easy to deal with. Friendly guy. I got to know him decently well in 2020. He recently has had some, you know, personal struggles. His house just burnt down, actually. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and he hurt himself uh, a while back. He got injured in wrestling. So he's kind of stepped away from wrestling as far as I know. But I, I love Bonner. I've got nothing bad to say about him. Cool. Okay. Now, after the match, we get Beverly and Gregory Iron going after Mathis. They have a member of DD Trash end up making a cave. And while that's going on, Scarlet drops. Mathic and the Kirika Thumbtack. Demand be entered in a monster ball. You've already mentioned that going to happen. Garlic involved in that match when it comes up. Okay, so from there we go to, and this is where I gave up live and went on demand for the rest of the show. Sean Kemp, <laughs> that, accompanied by Adam Slade against Jody Himself. I, I did watch this match live. Uh, like, yeah, I, it's I, the worst match in Paradigm history. You can call it what it is. Uh, 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 yeah, I'm not a fan of this match at all. I didn't uh, really understand what was going on. Right, go, <laughs> I didn't understand go, what we were doing here. Okay, so Jody himself comes out, doesn't the handman entrance. We're going through the entire crowd. You hear somebody go, We're on a time crunch. They only gave us 13. Go right off the bat. Okay, here we go. The bell rings. Now, remember what I said earlier? Remember when they tried to intentionally stall for terminal combat and they're like, No, you have to fight? We don't even get a UWFI sequence here. The 10-second countdown just starts, like, right at the bell. And then we do a goddamn comedy match. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> what, better, what better type of match to rush into a Terminal Combat for? <laughs> and, 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 here, and here's the thing. This is going to be the Jayhawk Duck and like comedy wrestling thing. No, I like comedy wrestling. But on this type of show, this style of show, this could go out of place. They could like what? They could like the the epicoke of impact where they did a normal show for an hour and forty five minutes, and then all of a sudden they were doing the shit from the Hardy compound. It had nothing to do with anything fucking else they were doing. I mean, to be fair, y'all's opening packages. You said it was against your better judgment. Yeah, yeah. And uh, all Jody matches are non canon, so it, it's. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean that that's what? good. At, that's good at least. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> no, I love Jody. I, I'll tell you the business reason of why I put him on cards. Jody is over, especially online. Um, you know, when I can put Jody on a poster and tag him and he retweets stuff and I retweet stuff, those tweets get three to four times more visibility than anything else we post. Th that's a shoot. So, like, Jody works a style that does not work with mine. So we try and make it work sometimes. I thought it worked better last year than it did this year. But Jody's good business. Um, you know, I, I did not love what happened in ring. It wasn't my vision for how that match was going to happen. Part of it was he was running late and him and Ken put that together. I did not have time to kind of go over what my idea had been. My idea was honestly still a comedy match, but I had a trash can full of comedy weapons and I wanted to do more of a straight match with some comedy rather than the whole meta humor thing they did. Um, but you know, there was a few people online that really liked it. Um, there was a lot of people that didn't like it, uh, my wife included. I was not a huge fan of that match. I, I love both of them as human beings, Adam and Jody. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that was probably the worst match of Paradigm history. Yeah, so, it was pretty bad. Yeah, yep. Yeah. That said, I still love Jody and he'll be back. But 
Okay, can I just, can I just, just giving an example of, of some of the stuff here. First off, Jody and, and Slade were too busy laughing at the stuff while they were doing it. I felt like I was watching fucking Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> like, don't don't laugh at your own shit. I'm already out of it right there. Uh, they're going for fucking pins and going, what do you mean there are, what do you mean there aren't any pinfalls since when? And even referees, like, you were given the rules. I, I got to the point where I was like, just count the fucking pin. Like, just end this thing. It's like by the third time, by, I, third time they went for the pin. My note actually says pedigree, and we get it. They don't know the fucking rule. Fuck, 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 fuck. Like that's what <laughs> I was done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't have much. I don't have many notes on that. Besides, I was hoping for the next match. <laughs> well, one thing <laughs> I want to know because I thought it was creative was so Jody did the Sandman interest entrance, and Kim did the Onita entrance. So they fought over a cigarette. Right, because both those guys smoke on the way to the ring, but they were in a non-smoking venue. Um, it was much better in theory than in practice, um, but that was the idea: was they were both going to do these like hardcore legend in- intros and then do a comedy match. So the execution uh, was not good, to be honest. But I like the idea, and let me just reiterate because he'll probably listen to this. I love Jody. Like I said, it got a few chuckles out of me. So that's you know, sometimes that's all you need. I'm glad somebody on this panel liked this match because, oh, God. I didn't say I liked it. I said it gave me a few chuckles. <laughs> that, that's high praise for this match at this point. It got a few chuckles out of me as well, but that's about the I'd only I'd rather watch just, like, the quick highlight of the things that made me laugh in the whole match, but... Right. 13 minutes, he won't get back, but, you know. And to be fair, they said 13. They were given nine, and then they decided they were going 13, and then they went, like, way longer than that they were the only match that went over time on the card yeah bell to bell to bell was 920 but when you pay 13 you're including entrance and we we're probably about yeah. six or seven by the time the entrance were done so yeah uh kemp nine nine minutes too long oh jody himself <laughs> wins the match by commission when he had a water jug on a stick and kemp tap got the threat of getting hit by it because they agreed to no weapons in a hardcore match yeah and then the creep came out laid everyone out with the weakest weapon shot i've ever seen like they literally used a pool noodle earlier in the match, and that was a harder shot than they shot the creep hit with these weapons. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand the creeps either. I have not seen them before, so I'm not a huge. Uh, I wasn't a, a. You know, I'm not in the know, but I, I was not impressed. Um, just in general with with the, them, I just it just looked weak when they came out. Uh, creeps are somebody who are still developing. I agree. The weapon shots probably could have used more heft. Um, part of that was the reluctance on. A wrestler to take that shot, uh, not Jody. And I took it in the locker room harder, but I think the creeps were really, you know, because I'll never ask a wrestler to do something they weren't com- aren't comfortable with. So like we talked, and he's like, "Oh, okay, it's fine." But uh, the creeps, I think, kept that in mind and were probably a little softer than they would have otherwise. Those water drug shots aren't too bad. I took one in the locker room to demonstrate, um, but it's I, I think that's a portion of it. But the creeps are really interesting people. Um, Irving West is a shoot PhD. And I believe Andy Ripley, I believe they have one as well. Hmm. Uh, so they're very educated, and they've got kind of a, an Italian horror movie gimmick and lots of tattoos related to that. So I think it's a very unique look because it looks like something out of a Felucci film, you know, from back in the day. Yeah. And I think they've got a lot of upside, and, and I'll tell them this too. They know, they know. like, I don't think they're all the way there in ring, but we're trying to de- help them develop. I think they can get there in ring because I think their character and, like, their story is really, really unique. And I think they've got a ton of upside. Now, I, I think they're still a little green, but I think they've got a ton of upside. Okay, so from there, we get back into the good portion of the show. 
<laughs> Flash Tompkin against Schwartz coming for Hoodfoot, who had not yet been cleared medically to compete at that point here. Uh, and right off the bat, we get better cover than anything we had in the previous match. Schwartz, Ben Sheeran, a kind of jar of baby food, because he thinks Sheeran is the Gerber baby. That was fucking funny. Another another one to go real close to the five minute, but does not hit terminal combat. Tom can get commission with a knee bar. Yep, I like that. I like a good knee bar finisher. You know what's awesome about the knee bar? This is not related to uh, Flash Thompson, but Dustin Leonard actually also uses that as a finish in a lot of our matches. He won his MMA fight with his pro wrestling finish. He debuted in uh, MMA over SummerSlam weekend and won with a knee bar. Yeah, I heard about that. That's that's very cool, by the way. And I like this one. We'll talk about him a little bit later All as right, well. I'm totally off track, but my ADD here is knee bar. Oh, like, no, no, I dig it. I dig it. Bar. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm more excited to talk about the next match because it was probably my 1A as far as my favorite matches of the uh, of the night. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to it shortly here. Uh, after the match, the brand called out Hoodfoot, locker room empty to try and t- attempt to keep everybody separated. And Adam Clade, who can't take anything seriously on this show, so we've got a what the fuck is up Denny during the pull apart. <laughs> good line. Out of place with what you're doing. That worked. It was it's, good for them. It's yeah. never out of place. That's what the fuck is so, up Denny's. The Denny's line actually um, is related to the feud. Um, and it dates back to Terminal Combat 1. It's super insider Twitter shit. Um, but Flash got mad at some workers for breaking kayfabe and going to Twitter with fans after the show. And it became like a whole thing on social media for a minute afterwards. Um, and that included, you know, the Lost Boys and their significant others were at a show with fans and it turned into a whole thing. And we ran, we've actually ran a couple of promos or programs based around like Denny's and Waffle House. It's just a super inside, but it was, it did in context make sense for the story. Okay. Super inside minutia. Okay. That's fair. I, I feel bad because I'm shitting on Adam Clayton. I've never met the dude. He's probably a really nice guy. I, I've I've seen him work. I like his work for the most part. So I feel bad that come off like I'm shitting on him. But <laughs> okay. So from there we have the heavy hitter championship. Mad Dog Austin Connolly defending the championship against Mac the Impaler. And I like this one here. They're playing off a previous match with them. Mac the Impaler went the last person to beat Connolly. So Connolly being kind of tentative, kind of slow, not not being overly aggressive. And then Terminal Combat hit, and he probably should have been more aggressive than that for five minutes. I, I yeah, <laughs> I love Max, and I, and this was the first time I really studied Connolly. I think we talked about this in our last one, just spitting. So between the three of us, you probably heard this, but Max, I, I love Max's presentation. Is there anybody more television ready than Max? Anybody who understands their character more than Max? Um, could win everything in any match that they're in. That is honestly, that's another one of those people where you watch and you go, anytime they're in the ring, they're going to win. Max is a scary, scary character. I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. Anytime they always come out, uh, they, they always come off as just an absolute badass. Yeah. There's never, you, you can never get Max to look weak. I love it. I think it's great. And, and I love this match. I thought this match was spectacular the way it came, the way it played out. This one was probably my other choice for <clears throat> match of the night. Yeah. Um, either this or Crane versus Zero. Um, and I really to give some kind of like backstory to it. They were originally scheduled to fight at Terminal Combat 1. And Max ended up having to pull off that show. And then Max moved out east for a while. And it was harder to get Max on Paradigm shows. So when Max came back, that was the first match I went back to because I really wanted to run that was Conley 
uh, versus Max the Impaler. We ran that in February at our Room 237 show and just straight up UWFI rules. And I think it translates some on camera, but again, being there in person, I'll say this. I was watching it with my wife. We were working the concession stand at that point, um, and we're both watching pretty closely. And my wife's seen everything in wrestling. She's gone to tons of deathmatch tournaments, whatever, seen it all. That's the only time I've seen her get uncomfortable at how stiff people were. She was just like, what is happening right now? And like, they just both decided they were going to go in there because they, you know, love each other in real life. And they just beat the absolute fuck out of each other. Love it. And it looked like it. And it was a great, it was a great match. Yeah. The, so- the, the looming figure that is Maxine Impaler makes things that kind of, I just, I, I like, I like what I see every time. I love seeing guys too. And guys and girls who are extremely television ready. I love seeing gimmicks that come out and you're like, I wouldn't have to change one thing if I wanted to put you on TV right now. And I love seeing stuff like that. I think it's, it's really fun on the indies to see people who are ready, who are just like, you know what, tomorrow you're going to be on impact and, or you're going to be, you're going to be on, on NXT and I'm not going to change your gimmick one iota and now go. And you just know, you know, they know who they are and that's it. So yeah, the match just worked every, every part of it worked. I love the visual of Connolly just refusing to stay down to the point that Mac is just repeatedly hitting him with the with the broken door and going die. It's just great imagery there. Uh, eventually, Connolly gets the chain, chokes Mac with it till the referee finally stops it. Fourteen forty six, but it's the longest match of the show. I had no issues with it whatsoever. Definitely, definitely an appropriate match to have the terminal combat stipulation mm-hmm. attached well, to it. You should have closed the show. Hindsight being twenty twenty, you should have closed the show. See, that's where I couldn't see Max in like a fighting gi. Like, <laughs> this is probably where you're right about <laughs> keeping your gimmick together and making a presentation. Imagine Max comes out in like sweats, like, you know, a fighting jacket or something. And you're just like, oh, no, no, no. What did I do? That's where I was. As the promoter, if I made this happen, I would have been like, what an idiot I am. I should have listened. <laughs> <laughs> sure. After the match, Jordan Blade comes out for a stare down with Connolly. Max threw a trash can at both of them, and Blade favored their knee a little bit. Coming out, coming out of that, we go to match number twelve: Weber Hatfield against Nick Merker. Two people that I absolutely love watching work. Uh, I we made the comment the first time we tried to record this last week. I I love the UWFI rule between these two. I want to see these two in just a regular pro wrestling match and give them twelve to fifteen minutes and let them go. I I, I was really enjoying this one. I'm glad it did not get the terminal combat. Like I really didn't want to see that with them, but I really felt like it was just getting going when it, when it ended. Yeah, there was no reason for it to go any further than it did. It was just really well done and, and to the point. Yeah, I love both of them. Weber has boundless energy. Um, Z got their spot. Um, they came in um, and they worked a contender's tryout for us, and they took a finish. And one of the matches against, I want to say they were wrestling Orion Starlight, something like that. And I thought they died. I thought they were fucked up. So I go to the locker room afterwards to check on them. I'm like, bro, are you okay? And they were like, yeah, man, it's called selling. And I'm like, oh, great. Well, you got me. So you're probably going to come back. Because if you do that little detail that well, you know, I watch a lot of these and I bought it completely. You know, do you, do you bring Weber in from the East Coast? Yes. Is he really still in? Is he still in Hoboken? Uh, I'm not sure if he's in Hoboken or not. Um, I know he rides in with A Game Alexander from New- A Game comes in from New York. Weber, they all ride with Max Zero. Okay. So Max, is in, Max, Max is a New Jersey, New York guy. Max is in Philly. 
So oh, Aiden okay. comes down and rides with them. I know Weber does too, and Travis is in that same area as well. Um, so East Coast generally. We have an East Coast car, but I think they're all from slightly different places on the East Coast. We dig it. Yeah, for for what it's worth, they've got Hoboken lifted for Weber Hatfield on cage match and Philly for Mac Nero on cage match. No, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything either. I know Mac Zero lives in Philly. I'm not sure where Weber lives. I know they rode together, but that's kind of the extent of my knowledge. Although Hoboken ish. Nice. I like I like to I like to shout out my former town. That's Hoboken why I was like that. Hoboken? That's right. Fifteen years. Now out in Long Island. Go figure. And out, um, out, of, out of respect to you, I won't shit on New Jersey this time. No, you can because I don't live there anymore, Mars. You can feel free. <laughs> the only person <laughs> who lives there is my brother. Go right ahead. Good, shit away. Right now. I appreciate <laughs> it, but fuck that place. Right. <laughs> I, 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 I don't even care. I don't even care if he lived there before. Fuck New Jersey. Jersey. Uh, Wildwood, New Jersey is amazing and a national treasure. Ocean, o- Ocean City, New Jersey is uh, as a parent and as uh, um, as gone down there with my family for many years. It's a dry county and they have rides and, you know, everything. Boardwalk. Wildwood's dry too. I did, I've never yeah. been there and I, I was in Jersey a long time. Oh, all right. Well, I, I put Ocean City up there, but we're, Wildwood we're, we're, is similar. I think Wildwood, the amusement park, there's more rides because there's more pier there, and they've got three ride piers, and we are way off subject. But I really like New I Jersey. I was just going to say, we're getting off on a tangent. <laughs> Thanks, but Weber. They're fun. But they're right. fun, so it's okay. I'm just pro-New Jersey. Let me come down on the pro-New Jersey side of this debate. <laughs> you just mentioned two dry counties in New Jersey. Like, I'm hating the state more and more. <laughs> hey, recreational marijuana, though. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, so we go into the advertised main event. Bully, Cooper Middleweight Championship, Jordan Blade defending against now known as Aiden Von England, formerly Eden Von England. Congratulations to Aiden for coming out. That one bright side of that fiasco this weekend. Uh, yes, I just want to say personally speaking, I'm so happy for him uh, to be able to live his true self. Like, there's nothing fucking better than like trans joy. And it was just, I'm happy to see what he's going to do in the future. I'm just, I'm so excited. Well, keep booking Aiden like this, and and there's going to be a big bright future for him. So, oh, for uh, certain, I see. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, a big future for uh, Aiden and and both the Von Englands. You know, we we've featured both of them heavily in Paris. Yeah, we we talked about them on this show. Both of them, the evolution the last two years. Because I I don't know if you if you saw, but a dark match at the AIW Return Show in 2021 in April. Was the Von Englands versus like Razor Sharp and 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 Frankie uh, um, Flynn, and that's the first I saw uh, Aiden formally as Eden was the hockey hitman, and Sid was just your classic you know English gimmick, and the both of them have evolved so far past that that you know now it, it's great to see somebody start from you know the beginning and then turn into what they are now, and it's just I, I think you did you did. Aiden, uh, justice with the way you booked this one, too. Yeah, we were trying to do uh, a double turn with this match, and I was worried uh, about um, just getting Southern Indiana fans to cheer for uh, Aiden being that he's British. Yeah. And as silly as that sounds, like that's it's hard to make someone foreign a face in Southern Indiana. It just is what it is. I can't believe that. That's crazy talk. That doesn't happen in Indiana at all. Come on. <laughs> that doesn't happen in a good portion of Indiana. We're right now in the south, in the southern part of Indiana. Northern Indiana is actually very socially progressive, believe it or not, like near Chicago. Um, we are not in that portion of the state, though. 
Well, I think Jordan Blade is a badass too. So it was exact. The match was what I wanted to see. So two people. If you want to put two people in a match that you know is going to be a hard hitting match, especially under the rules and things that you you've you know presented, I think that you couldn't do better than those two. Yeah, I, I love Jordan Blade, and Jordan Blade has been you know one of our pillars, one of our foundations. You know, there's a running joke that if Jordan Blade's coming in, she's going to end up working five six matches for us, and, and mm-hmm. any night. Um, love Jordan and Jordan's like one of our most beloved faces as well. So that's why w- what we were trying to do here was try and turn Aiden face Jordan heel. I think we accomplished the first goal. I don't know that we accomplished the second goal, um, but you know, I thought there was a good story in there and the match itself. I thought was really good. And, you know, there was going in as well. Um, Aiden was undefeated in paradigm spanning over a year. Um, so that was kind of cool. He had that story going, whereas, um, you know, Jordan has kind of been our face, has lost. But the kind of the story was Jordan had much higher strength of competition, right? Jordan's fighting the Tom Lawlers of the world, the Akira. And she's winning some, she's losing some, but she's fighting everybody. Whereas she Aiden, fought uh, uh, Trisha Dore on one of your shows, one of those uh, hour-long paradigm yeah. shows. She sure did, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. that. That was one we reviewed, and it was a very, very good match. And uh, so, like, but that was kind of the story was we were building it. I, I don't know if you guys ever follow boxing, but boxing loves to build up a British challenger. Yeah. Kind of regardless. And sometimes British fighters will get, because boxing's hot uh, in, in Great Britain. Sometimes they'll get a title shot they would not have got otherwise. And that was kind of the story where we're going here. But then the twist is they prove that they actually do belong in that show. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that was kind of the story we were trying to tell. I think a lot in boxing metaphors, I think some of it's lost on the audience, but that was like kind of the, the shoot sport inspiration for that. Uh, the match at Snowpiercer, here, the first five minutes of the UWFI portion, just a technical masterpiece, both doing a great job with it. Terminal combat hit, Kid Duck at Beth Gregory Iron Impression and tried to come out to help. And Aiden just yeet him across the ring, like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> he was having none of it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I love the term yeet somebody across across the ring. I just like the way that sounds. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm hip. I'm down with the four one one. Apparently. Yeah, that's what we that's what people say about our show. It's very hip. You <laughs> you originally came with it. I'm sure it wasn't someone else that was on the panel that said that last no, week. No, 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 I, sure. I, I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't steal it from our Mocha Grepka Perkin on the panel at all. No. No, it was completely your own idea. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he heard, I, it on, he heard it in the skate park. <laughs> nah, but this match is very, is really fun. Skate park. <laughs> this match is really <sighs> fun, though. Aiden hits an air raid crash onto a door that Duncan break gets the knockout and the title in 1309. We think we're getting a a. We think we're getting that at the end of the show. But wait, Duncan Leonard has a title shot that he can cash in, and he does. So we get a, we get another match with the super middleweight championship. Leonard wins this by commission in a, in a minute forty five. Then Lobo Akami comes out and makes the cave afterwards because getting afraid to come out and help Aiden after what happened earlier, and I don't blame him. I uh, yeah, I liked I like the uh, uh, Dustin. I I I like the presentation, and I I take him very seriously. And uh, I, you know that's kind of in my eyes what a UWFI fighter should look like. Um, you know, uh, I, I just, I liked it. I liked how it, I wasn't happy that Aiden lost right away. I would have this, liked to have seen, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those fans who I don't jump all over the next title defense, but I would have liked to have seen him defended a little more, but it is, it's, it was a good story that was told. It, so I, I don't knock it. It made me angry in all the right ways. 
Right. Right. That right. was our, our fail safe to ensure Aiden got a face reaction as well. Um, from, from kind of a booking standpoint, um, cause Dustin and the brand are like our most over traditional heels. Um, Dustin is a fucking great story. Um, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. Like if you went to central casting and asked for a UWFI wrestler, it's going to be something like him. Um, you know, we announced him for, to fight Tom Lawler, um, in February, we announced it like two months ahead of time. Right. Cause we had some time in between shows and he did an actual fight camp for he lost a hundred pounds. That's what Jayhawk was telling me last time about this, I believe, or, or is it maybe it was Porter, one of the referees that we had to deal with on the show. But <laughs> I was, I, I was very impressed. I mean, you could tell the, the body transformation. Absolutely. So he said like, you know, that that was like a bucket list match for him. Um, so, you know, he got in a really good shape. He had that match with Tom Lawler um, on our Indiana fight club card. If I can cheap if i can plug that real quick i think that's the best uwfi rules match we've ever done it's on the indiana fight card it's streamed on iwtv it's tom lawler versus dustin Leonard, my favorite uwfi rules match that we've done um he got in great shape for that you know he's since gone on i wanted to also put on the title on him before his mma fight um because like i don't know the old school promoter would be like oh what if he lost but i'm like it's kind of cool because like he wore his title to the weigh-ins and stuff like that um and i'm like that's kind of cool. I knew he was going to do MMA. I was excited for him. I'm happy for him. He's the nicest dude in the world. He goes into MMA. Um, he won with his pro wrestling finisher in the first round. Like it was about as sort of book as an MMA debut as you can get. Uh, so really like Dustin. I really like all three of the people, you know, that are involved in the show and angle. And that's why I had it at the end. Cause we were doing so much storyline. I think looking, and I wanted to do the blade and Conley face off earlier in the show. Um, which I think I should have probably just cut that and did uh, Impaler and Conley at the end because I think they did got the gimmick over the most, and then we would have ended on a happier note rather than heels up because uh, I hate ending heels up, but you got to sometimes. But, you know, as I watch it now, I've rebooked that show like 47 times. What I will say is that ending did make me want to watch more. So, And that's the goal. I feel like that's the, achieve- the, the wanted goal. Sure. I will tell you, though, I think Paradigm is a really – important staple of what IWTV is right now. Um, the amount of content that you put out, the the stories, the sheer amount of matches that you put on your shows. I do think it's it's you you've you managed to to get yourself into that place where, you know, for the end here, I do want to see more. I want to see what more of what you got. I want to see more of, you know, Jordan Blade. I want to I just want to see more and Paradigm seems to provide that and the matches, you know, I, I think it's a nice niche that you have for yourself uh, on the streaming service as well. Uh, thanks. You know, like yeah. I said, our slogan is uh, we do the most. And uh, we once ran a show with the team uh, called more is more. Um, so we really do try to provide like a lot of content and a lot of variety. And, uh, you know, we're not always successful, but we try to have a, a range of styles and presentations in our shows. Okay, now I'm just a little bit of constructive criticism as far as the formatting of the show here. Uh, you mentioned it earlier that you probably wouldn't have done that many terminal combat matches, go into that stipulation normally, but everybody wanted to do the terminal combat, wanted to do the hardcore, but you had a few more than you probably needed on there. I think you kind of yourself, you would have done three or four, and that's back about what I was thinking too, three or four. I absolutely love that. love doing the opener with the role, main event with the role, fantastic to, yeah, kind of spread them out a little bit further. Uh also, I get that because it does start with UWFI rule, you kind of want the boxing intro. But I think if you gave that for like the title match, like you could have cut half an hour off the show. Might have so, made, made, made the whole, might have made, might have paced like a lot better. That's for YouTube releasing. 
so we can cut out the copyrighted music and still have an intro. Um, we just have to get around to releasing shows on YouTube as well. So that's interesting. So I would say this. I um, I, I said uh, I, I said this to Jayhawk as well. I last week uh, I would have given the show what I would say a thumbs in the middle because I think the show the length was it was very long. Um, but after speaking with you and hearing the logic behind it, I think that helps a whole lot to give me a thumbs up on the show. I liked what I saw. I understand now why you did what you did. I would say I do think the show was very long. I think in the end, you know, a a show like this, like Terminal Combat, if you did two and a half, I think that's a sweet spot. You know, over three, especially on on IWTV, it starts to it starts to wear you down a bit. Sure, it's the IWTV model is kind of rigged against short shows, though. We get paid by hour watch, right? Right. So it's more profitable, and that's the thing too. Like when you're with a live stream too, that's going to be our, our most streaming revenue we get generally from one thing. Longer sometimes is better, but sometimes we lose audience. So like it's a balance. And my biggest probably fault as a promoter is I don't like to say no um, to, to people, which is why we probably had more terminal combat matches than we needed. Cause like, you know, I'm straight up with people. I'm not going to pay you extra to work hardcore, but if you really want to do it, sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, I'm not, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, I've never got to do it for you. Let me do it. I'm kind of a pushover in that that sense, and then then I probably book too many people, just period. Well, then but, let me well, let me ask you: what is your what is your what's the the your WrestleMania call? What is your biggest show? Is it Terminal Combat? What's the biggest show of the year? Uh, generally speaking, heavy hitters. Heavy hitters. So I would say, okay, you know, heavy hitters. Definitely, I would understand. You know, three to three and a half. I know, you know, some of the other companies, their big shows, they go almost four. I get it, um, but I do think, you know. Um, you know, the way, the way it, it just, it, it, when I watch UWFI rules, I love seeing them go like this, you know, so I could have watched, yeah, I could have watched 14 matches as long as it's under, you know, two and a half hours would have been great, but that's a small nitpick for, for after speaking to you and finding out about it. Definitely. I think going for our ideal model, like real life gets in the way often, but like my idea for model has always been that we've got constant hour long shows on each week. And then we do like tent pool shows, which would be like four mm-hmm. days a year, which are our live streams that go a little bit longer and have those like a terminal combat one, a British rounds, our heavy hitters tournament, something like that. But it's real life has not cooperated with that schedule working. So as it is, like we just, it's more based on venue availability and what we run is based off the venue we're in. Uh, but no, I, I agree. The show was too long. That's I, every show I've ever run has been too long. I, I I love the fact that you kind of admit that you have a hard time saying no. Like I feel like that's the issue with like the Dropkick Diabetes show I work every year. <laughs> promoter for that one doesn't like to say no either. I've been to those shows before. Yeah, yeah, those, those are just I I I think they were at five hours for the last one, and that was with Oof. counting the hour pre-show. <laughs> I, I mean, that's I, a I did, lot. I did, I did pre-show Wait. and air quote. But. That's a lot. That's a lot of wrestling. That's a yeah. lot of wrestling to sit through. Like, yeah. yeah, but but it, but in fairness, like I love I love working those shows. Like it, like they're fantastic. They bring in good talent for it. But yeah, I but I, I definitely feel it. I just they're sometimes just too long. And you sometimes just can't help it either. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, and like I'm real guilty of doing it. It's, I, I have a lot of shit I want to see, and I'm generally only running one to two shows a month. So to get in all the shit I want to see. I'm booking probably longer than I need to because, and this is going to be true of any level of indie wrestling. I think uh, a lot is booked for the booker's enjoyment. 
because uh, we don't make money off of this. And I think some other people learned that the hard way this past weekend. Uh, but, you know, I don't make my living on this. I don't make really a profit. You know, we break even most of the time. We've had a few real profitable shows that have helped fund like our empty arena tapings. But because of that, like, you know, I'm still putting 30, 40 hours a week into this shit. A lot of what happens is because, like, I want to see it. I dig it. I, I respect that. I definitely do. Yeah, and Your show. Your show. <laughs> and, with, and with the talent you got, you don't know how long you're going to have that talent before they get signed exactly. somewhere. So I, I want to get this match in. I might not be able to get it in next month. I mean, I get it. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Long-term storytelling is so hard on the indies. I'm really excited when we're able to do it. And sometimes it's accidental, to be honest. Like the cards just fall into the right place. And it's like, oh, we can reference these things that happened three shows ago. Uh, but that's another thing. Why I like the taping format better is I can get, you know, two, three months of content at once. And I know I'm going to have all those people. But we've had so many times we've been trying to build a story. And then it falls apart because of an injury or COVID or whatever at the end. And then we've had you know, 97 feuds that don't have blow offs because of that. Well, that's the problem with running right. Uh, um, long-term tournaments and things like that. You run into guys getting hurt where you, you're complete, you're, you know, your whole booking scheme is, is wiped because a guy who was supposed to wrestle in the next round, you know, four or five weeks later gets hurt, you know, two weeks after the show doing another show, you know, I, so I get you trying to get everything in at once. It's, it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. All right. Go. So- before we get into heavy hitter four, I do want to cut that with him while we got him here. Uh, let's, let's do it. Thumb up, thumb down, thumb in the middle. Uh, Gary, obviously you're biased. You're going to say thumb up, even though you've been critical of curtain things. Uh, I got to take a thumb up show. I, I, I had my peek into what I didn't like about the show, but it, what, but the positive outweigh the negative. I'll go thumb up on it. I will also say thumbs up. Uh, I said it last week, I think all the highs of this show definitely overrode any of the lows a part of it. Also, I really appreciate the production value on all the video packages y'all do. They are A plus. It definitely helps with the shows as well. Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna change my my thumb <laughs> to an up. Uh last week I did say <laughs> it was middle, but <laughs> I will say after having Gary on and, and listening to the logic and all those, yeah, I'm gonna go with an up. And uh I, I do look forward to to the next big show that you guys run. Um, you know, without terminal combat, it's even more attractive to me seeing the UWFI role. So I, I will, I appreciate that. And I bumped it up for that. Thanks. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's what I just need to do on all review shows. It's like, now you book me as a guest. I'm going to sway the story. <laughs> Listen, if oh, any other, if, I, there's not, there's only a few promoters that I would be able to look in the eyes and be like, dude, your show blows. And <laughs> but I can honestly say, that I do like Paradigm, and I, uh, after listening, a lot of that stuff makes a lot more sense, except for me wanting to see everybody in fighting outfits. But you know, maybe <laughs> maybe we'll talk about that down the line. You'll run a show where everybody's in sweats and. Wait, tape. you're back on the other side now. I think you realized <laughs> the error of your ways. No, I did, but maybe we'll do a show where everybody's doing that. Maybe we can get you know tape fists, you know that whole thing, and see Watch how any New it. Japan Young Lions show, and you will get exactly that. No, no, I don't mean I don't mean nondescript black tights. I mean more of like everyone can you could make it your own, but I want to you know he, well, wants, I don't need, he wants the banana hammocks. Yeah, I don't need <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I don't need your too, stirrups. You know, but... I don't need the stirrups. Look, you can throw on uh, throw on a pair of uh, Models gym shorts and let me see go in there and beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Like, oh, Kimbo slice it. <laughs> exactly. Kimbo slice down. That's what I was thinking. UW. Thank you. Now that it comes. Yes. Yes. A Kimbo slice style wearing, you know, three quarter tube socks 
and a pair of gray sweatpants and beating the crap out of each other. That's what I'm talking about. I can see it. I can see yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Go real quick here. But we're over 90 minutes into the show already, and I'm going to have to work in the morning. September uh, 25th, you've got the doubleheader with the Ohio Wrestling Alliance in Columbus. Going to be heavy hitter four. Uh, you've already announced Bobby Beverly, Matthew Justice, last man standing for that show, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. Plus the heavy hitter tournament. For our listeners who do not follow Paradigm closely, explain what the heavy hitter tur- uh, tournament actually is. So heavy hitters is our signature event of the year. Um, <clears throat> we have a heavy hitters championship, which is a. Uh, so to go back a step, we have a brand split, right? And there's two top titles in Paradigm. There's the Paradigm title for traditional wrestling. And there's the Heavy Hitters title um, for UWFI and other styles. Uh, Heavy Hitters Tournament is our annual kind of crown jewel event for the for the blue brand. So it's going to be a UWFI rules tournament. There'll be eight uh, eight person eight fighter tournament there. And then our tradition also is we blend in a lot of hardcore. Uh, into that show as well. So in addition to a UWFI rules tournament, we're going to have uh, a dog collar match, um, a monster's ball match and a last man standing match. Um, so to kind of give a, you know, a big variety of mixes, we've got uh, a lot of fun stuff booked for that show. Um, you know, we've never run a dog collar match before. I'm excited to try one of those. Okay. That's September 25th. That is going to stream live on IWTV. So definitely nice. And then if I, Quickly plug, we've actually got a show this Friday as well. Um, if you guys are in the Southern Indiana area, this will premiere later on IWTV. Uh, but we've got a uh, number one contenders battle royal rumble style match for uh, the paradigm title. So the other side, the traditional wrestling side, uh, we've got some fun matches on there like uh, Chase Holiday versus Levi Everett, um, some debuts, uh, Cole Radrick's on that show. Um, that'll be a fun one as well this Friday in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Yeah, that does, that does sound like I'm. I'm- Columbus only about a two, two and a half hour drive for me. I'm really tempted to come down for Beverly and Justin last man standing in the every hitter tournament. I, I think I, I'm looking forward to watching these. And then I hope I, I would say, you know, since we're now all best friends that we will review that, <laughs> that show too, that heavy hitter show. When it, hey, when, I'll when it be comes on up. here whenever you guys want me on. <laughs> I, I love talking wrestling and my wife gets real sick of it. So whenever I can talk about my booking ideas with somebody else is great. And then the next time you come on, what we'll do is we'll bury everybody. We'll see how <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> we'll do an all burial episode and and steal from all over and see who we can absolutely make want to kill me the next time I have to see them in person. That would be awesome. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there, Gary. If you ever end up being short a referee for a show and get long, long, give me a little bit of notice, I'll make the trip down. Oh, I was gonna say I didn't, you know, Jayhawk. I don't, I don't like you volunteering me when I don't know how to ref. But you're talking about yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that would have been helpful a few months ago. That's actually how Porter ended up on our roster. Was I needed a ref and I called Dom. Yeah, he's Porter's great. I, I like him as a person, and I, I'm sad he's not here tonight. But we did it. We did a whole deal with him. It's unfortunate that he, uh, um, that he, you know, is not able to be here tonight. But Gary, I, I appreciate all your honesty and, and everything tonight. It, it, it was great to have you here. Thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. All right. Uh, anything else you want to plug Gary? Well, be, uh, before we let you go here, um, just that show in Ohio real quick, uh, September 25th. It's us in OWA. If you've never been to that venue, the King of clubs. It's super nice. It's maybe the nicest venue in indie wrestling. It's like a house of blues type location. There's full bar. There's great food. Uh, you know, there's a balcony. There's, Lower seats, all very comfortable. And we're both going to run two really, really stacked cards. We can't release everything publicly yet, 
Um, but it's the most staffed cards in the history of either company, I think. Uh, so that's definitely one you're going to want to get out there. You can get a ticket to see both shows for GA for only 25 bucks, And we are going to give you the best Sunday of wrestling of all time. That's pretty rad. Yep. I'm, I'm hearing full bar and food. and my, I'm definitely leaning toward making that trip now. Uh, Marky, what do you have to plug? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at eGirlFemboy, boy spelled B-O-I. Find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash eGirlFemboy. You can hear me on my other podcast, X-Over. There might be uh, something going down. I think we're recording sometime this week, maybe talking about um, this movie from the 90s, uh, Double Dragons. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. Kind of sucks, but I'm excited to rewatch it. That movie was terrible, but okay. Let's let be honest. Right. Our most fun reviews are usually the reviews of shows we hate, and that's got to be the same thing for Marky. So, yep. look, it can't it can't be worse than Legend of Chun Li. It just it just can't be. <laughs> there's it's very not. few. There's very few that are that horrible. Actually, the worst movie I ever saw is a movie nobody else has ever heard of called Welcome Home, Rocky Carmichael. Oh, I saw that. I, I still think the movie Branded is the worst movie I've ever seen. If anybody wants to look that up, it's about a man who stops these evil mind control with the power of marketing. It's absolutely awful. And if anybody ever wants to look it up, I highly recommend you look at this because it is dog shit. Okay, I heard mind control as mime control. Oh, no. <laughs> there are I no mimes allowed in my house. Movie. <laughs> anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at RefJayhawk, Instagram at Jayhawk1539, Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash RefJayhawk. Uh, my next booking of August 20th for Real Action Pro Wrestling in Youngstown, Ohio, Rubber City Wrestling in Town Edge, Ohio on August 27th. And Jay Gold, take it home. Yep. Once again, thanks, Gary. We really appreciate having you on, especially in the first episode uh, of the new season. Um, I would say uh, you can find me at jgold12 on Twitter. Uh, tomorrow I will be in the office, and then I am out the rest of the week on vacation. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to us. Don't forget about the merch store over at BrainBusterTees.com. I am hopeful that the new logo will go up on the merch store shortly, and uh, you know, look into jogger sweatshirt track jacket, booty shorts, whatever we're doing. Uh, listen to our podcast, Friends Wrestling Cheers, Pod Van Dam, the super fantastic podcast. If you catch my grift, the A Show, at Odds with Wrestling, X over, the card is going to change. Our other friends, JCP Designs, the official graphic designer of IWTV Guide, PWPonderings.com, Time Capsule Toys, Toy Hio, Big Starks Brand, Set Tab Photo, Smoke and Jay's Barbecue, the best barbecue in Ohio, and the Florida office of Kayfabe Collectibles. That's what I got. Uh, for episode one, uh, uh, take number two. Good save. <laughs> and as the late Bobby Heenan once said, they say money can't buy happiness. Give me 50 bucks and watch me smile. Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you next week. See you there.